Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that's cruising for a freezing. My name is Corey Hazelhurst and my partner in propaganda is Steve Haynes. Hey, Corey. And especially pleased that we have the guru behind Shazayati.com with us, Shaz Rahman. Hello, Shaz. Hello. The reason I'm particularly pleased that Shaz is, is with us is because this week in Texas, there's been a story that combines both climate change and energy policy. So who best to have on to talk about what's going on with Texas? and their energy grid long story short a storm hit texas uh, a blizzard in fact uh, and it's shut down their energy grid in effect the freezing cold temperatures um which is something texas is not used to uh, coping with has resulted in all of their power stations shutting down and massive strains being put on on the grid general chaos where you have millions of people being left without power without water as pipes have frozen up um, without gas to heat anything in their homes, people to be able to flush the toilet, you've got people uh, melting snow and then using that to flush the toilet. It has, this, this storm has effectively transformed Texas from one of the most developed places in the world to, you know, something out of a, a dystopian, you know, <laughs> young adult fiction book. It's It's absolutely shocking how quickly everything seems to have fallen apart there the the reason essentially seems to be just the the fact that texas some years ago rather than signing up to a national power grid uh like most of the other states did decided they didn't want to be controlled by the feds and created their own grid which is not up to scratch when it comes to dealing with this situation we've had four million people lost power some have lost power multiple days in a row. We've had some people actually burning their own possessions. I think children's toys trying to keep warm. Tragically, there's, I think, 17 deaths attributable so far. Apparently, 300 people have been hospitalised from carbon monoxide exposure because they've been trying to use grills and other devices to heat their homes that they they shouldn't be heated. Also, in some homes in, in the Fort Worth area, water treatment plants have lost power. So people have been advice to boil water as well uh, before using it. So Shaz, Steve alluded to what seems to be the root cause behind this, Texas's particular energy grid. Whilst Texas has heavily invested in renewable, it is still massively reliant on natural gas to provide heat and electricity. So what's happened is it's got a really aged, crippled infrastructure that hasn't been updated about 100 years, possibly more. And so that has basically been wiped out. So the question that we will ask ourselves as a society, both in the UK and across the world is, this was this may have been a freak event, but what would the disaster response be normally? So what the real failure here isn't that things have gone down because things will go down. Like even in the UK, our energy systems are precarious. Our supply to demand ratios are really, 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 at risk of going down but we have systems in place where if things go down in one spot 
we can evacuate people, we can make sure they're safe. What I think was really telling in this instance is that when things went wrong, there was no plan. People were just left to fend for themselves in conditions that they will die. I think I've read today that 60 people have died so far and that figure can increase. So there are three things you need in this instance. You need electricity, you need heat and you need water. And even now, weeks into this, there were people without one of those things, two of those things who were still trying to get in their car and using that to try and get warm by driving for the sake of it. There are people who have had running water who have no way of getting it. So the real question is here, not that this event has happened because this event could happen anywhere. California wildfires are probably related to climate change. This probably isn't, but we'll never know for certain. But what we do know is we have capacity to respond. And the scariest thing in this instance is that Texas has made a conscious decision not to plan for this kind of event. So uh, maybe maybe a comparable example would be what would happen in Minnesota when it gets to 40 degrees Celsius? That's kind of on the flip side. Can Minnesota, which doesn't have any air conditioning, like in the same way that Texas would, would they have a plan to cool things down to keep their people safe? Or maybe would, would they have a plan to evacuate people? In this instance, there are other states that are being affected but Texas has been, is basically the, the one that's most visible because the reaction has been the worst by some distance. It feels like maybe the wildfires in California are quite good adjunct because it's heat waves and they hit California and they there are also power blackouts there. Part of what you need to do is plan for these extreme weather conditions as well, which, are, I mean, as we say, it, it, my understanding is, from what we were saying earlier, it's not that this event is necessarily down to climate change, but we are, because of climate change, we're going to see more of these extreme weather events that might disrupt grid systems. So it's about having plans in place to deal with them. Yes, because when you've got your citizens who are basically at threat of death, it is the job of the government to protect those people. And as Steve said earlier, Texas decided to break from regulation to provide cheaper gas to its citizens. And that is a situation which has made it worse. Today, Joe Biden has declared a national emergency in Texas. So what this does mean is that they can use funds on an America level rather than just Texas level. And you'd hope that the response from national government will be better than from local governments, because as we've seen, there hasn't been a place and we can see the effects. When you look at the communities who are most affected, what most reports are saying is it is those most deprived communities and those um, particularly minority communities who have been most affected by the grid crashing. But thankfully, Steve, we saw a really strong response, didn't we, from one of Texas senators? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we did. Um, we saw uh, a truly uh, heroic response from Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, um, who you may know from his greatest hits of, you know, helping in effect uh, rile up an insurrectionist mob, uh, which ended up with that mob storming the Capitol building in uh, in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, earlier this year. Uh, Senator Cruz decided that his response to the uh, to the crisis in the state in which he he represents uh, was not to try and raise money as um, uh, AOC did uh, a congresswoman from New York who has so far I believe raised over two million dollars in a emergency aid relief funds for Texas 
No, no, he did not decide to do that. Uh, he did not decide to, uh, you know, pick up the phone to FEMA and, uh, you know, try and uh, see what he could do to help. He did not utilize his network of, of employees to try and to try and help out. He didn't reach out to the president to try and ask for, you know, additional aid, which Biden was very quick in getting that sorted anyway. No, no, Ted Cruz decided he was going to take his family, put them on a plane and fly off to Cancun in Mexico. To be fair, from Ted Cruz's statement explaining it, it wasn't him who decided that, it was his daughters. Uh, ab- absolutely. And as we all know, 10-year-olds 10, 10 and 12-year-olds, which is apparently how old his daughters are, are very specific in their demands to go away, to get away from a, a very bad situation uh, in heading off to, acro- uh, to head off internationally across the border to Cancun specifically. The only comparable example I can think of of a UK politician throwing their kid under the bus was, was it John Gummer, I think, who fed, at the height of the BS, BSE crisis, fed his child a, 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 beef, a British beef burger to prove it was safe? I don't remember that at all. Ah. That sounds horrifically bad, though, from an optics perspective. It was meant, yeah, I think it was meant to be a, an optics win, but it's... Yeah, uh, it wasn't. How has Ted defended himself? His response was essentially, I was travelling down there with my wife and my kids because they wanted to get out, and I was never going to stop there. Um, I was always going to be flying back to Texas, to which uh, certain snarkier and perhaps more cynical elements of the, uh, of the internet have pointed out that's an awful lot of luggage he was carrying for what was meant to be a less than a day trip to Mexico. But why would you bring a full suitcase worth of clothing if you were just spending less than a day there and were just immediately hopping back on a plane to come back home? In fact, why would you go at all? Why wouldn't you just send your kids off with your wife who would be looking after them whilst they're there anyway, whilst you do do your job? So... Far be it from me to think that Mr. Cruz may in fact be uh, living up to Trump's uh, moniker for him of Lion Ted. Um, but me, me thinks his pants may be on fire. His, to be fair, he might just have got a really big book for the flight. And I do that in, in the old days when you could travel. You know, you'd often pick quite a, a, a large book because you don't want to pick a small one and then end up finishing it halfway through. Do, do, so do, you so- want a hefty hardback. So you think uh, uh, Cruz was uh, carrying around the bio- or biography of Lyndon Johnson in, in all its uh, volumes that are currently available? I mean, are there any better Texans you can think of biographies about? We should probably think about reaction of a different Texan, though, which was less amusing and slightly also more morally abhorrent. So Texas governor, Greg Abbott, been one of a number of Republicans spreading misinformation about the reasons behind the power outage. So he's said that the reason why the power cri- the, 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 the reason why the, the power plants have gone down is because of the say freezing of wind turbines, what have you. And which and there is some of that, isn't there? But that's a tiny amount of power in Texas. Most of it is from uh, coal and gas, isn't it? I think. And also did an interview with Sean Hannity on Fox saying that the Green New Deal, uh, which AOC is proposing along with a few other House Democrats, would be deadly. So almost doubling down on the, on, on the need for fossil fuels, which I'm guessing may or may not be connected to the fact that in six years in office, he's raised 
more than $150 million from donors, which is apparently more than any government in US history, of which $26 million of that has come from the oil and gas industry, which is more than any other sector. I, I mean, I'm sure the things, they might not be connected, but given the history of Texas and the propensity for the oil industry in Texas, it's an interesting fact. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, correlation does not necessarily equal causation, but I think it's it's fair to say that there is a strong bit of correlation here between the amount of money that, that Governor Abbott has received and his... Uh, statements and his actions in office um, favoring uh, the, the the oil and gas industry. Um, I mean, I, I think that's that's just stating a, a, a fact. We're not saying he's necessarily in big oil's pocket, but you could make a strong case. I feel. I, I did find it quite funny that he's trashing the Green New Deal, so it hasn't actually happened yet. Yeah. Uh, although there is a much more worrying sinister side to this, so. What percentage of Texans will believe these words? So, you know, how many people still believe that Donald Trump won the US election? My thought is, and this is from The Economist this week, which was talking about how actually you've got, I think I think it's about two thirds of Americans think that climate change is a big issue. And that includes a lot of younger Republicans as well. I suppose on the one hand, you've got a media ecosystem in America that will spoon feed a lot of diarrhea into the ear holes of anyone who wants to believe anything that, you know, the Green New Deal is bad. Republicans are great, Democrats are terrible. But I think there's also surely a realisation amongst a lot of Americans that climate change is a big issue. And this is especially true amongst Democratic voters, but is also true among younger Republicans. So I don't know, I'm a little bit more hopeful, maybe. Yeah, and I think, especially in relation to Texas, there's an interesting little trend in that there has been a, a kind of like a demographic um, kind of like movement of individuals from places like California to moving to Texas. You've had a number of, I think it's, I want to say Oracle, Hewlett Packard, um, and maybe a couple of other kind of like pre, uh, big tech companies that were previously based in California have moved their operations to Texas, partially just due to the, the insane cost of living in, in the parts of California that, that, that they're in around Silicon Valley, all of those, but also because Texas has quite a, a good uh, on a, num- a couple of n- a number of good universities which have got very good like tech courses uh, behind them so there's a lot of easy access to the sorts of people that they, they need for those sorts of businesses which means in texas itself you may start to see more liberal leaning individuals kind of like moving into into the state as well so when it comes to as you say those younger republicans that are much more inclined to believe that climate change is, is is an issue they're going to be getting potentially some added backup from more liberal voters kind of like moving out of california into texas which over time that's the sort of thing along with like demographic changes of you know more minorities and things like that which turns texas potentially into a swing state which you know i feel like we've been talking about that for decades at this point so don't don't hold your breath for it but like eventually it might happen and these sorts of trends all add up to that yeah well we, we thought it, there was a chance at the last election before it was a but it never never actually happens maybe, maybe 2024 obviously every podcast we do eventually will finish by speculating about whether <laughs> or not u.s states are going to go republican or democrat that's it's just a rule um just coming back to a point you've you've both made, but we've not necessarily touched on a lot yet. 
the reason why this has happened in Texas and it's been such a massive issue is because you've got massively old infrastructure that they haven't bothered to invest in. Again, going back to the nonsense that we're talking about renewables and even when, you know, there's 7% of Texas power comes from wind in the winter anyway, but you can invest in wind turbines to make them work in winter. So in Sweden, they have wind turbines. Sweden's probably slightly cold in Texas most of the time. There, the wind turbines work fine. It's more about having the will to put your infrastructure in place. We've talked already about that Biden's trying to put in not only a massive infrastructure in green energy, but also this um, federal funds from FEMA into Texas. Presumably some of the emergency funding that either from uh, the Green New Deal stuff that we've talked about in other episodes or this emergency disaster money will go to there. I suppose the question in terms of politics, rather than just kind of red states or blue states, but just a more question of ideology is that Green New Deal is more talking about a more collective approach. You've got traditionally a state like Texas, quite an individualistic you know, rugged John Wayne type element in it. How far do we think that the the political culture in Texas will accept a lot of these changes? The the, the, the political te- culture in Texas, in and of itself, will probably accept a lot of the uh, a lot of the changes over time. Um, just because if somebody turns around and says, "Here, have a load of money to fix these issues," it would be insanity on the part of Governor Abbott to then not take it and then do something about it. It would be, you know, political suicide for him. Even if he didn't, even if it, he wouldn't lose to a Democrat in the election, he would absolutely get primaried. Maybe I'm being optimistic, but like the, the baseline of "we'll take the money and when we'll use it for what it's intended for" is pretty solid. Um, it's more how, how does Texas react to this in the long term and that's where I think that political culture uh, element comes into it and and that's very up in the air and involves an awful lot of things like can Beto O'Rourke actually organize something similar to what um, Stacey Abrams did in Georgia? Yeah, so there's a question of risk management here. This event was not expected but it was always a chance. So say in more collectivized societies like Sweden there will be a disaster response in waiting to go. So they would have situations where they would have churches or schools where generators were there, where water can be got, even if it's like to lots and lots of bottled water, right? But they just have a supply to get people somewhere safe. And maybe they won't be able to return to their homes, but there will be a plan in place. What Texas has is, in, all, in its deregulated states for its energy markets and supply chains has produced cheap gas for its citizens but has not planned for any breakage in that system so that's so the system worldwide would break in it essentially in this instance the real problem that texas has is it has it's had no plan to help the people when it needed it most as we, you know, we, we talked earlier about some of the horrific events that all that is avoidable you can get people to safety it's whether Texas, as a capitalist, neoliberal-based society, does it want to do that in the future? Does it feel that we should pour resources and have contingencies in place to get people to safety? Or will they go back and think, well, this was a one-off event, this won't happen again, and therefore we'll go back to our deregulated energy market, which is good for a consumer. You know, gas prices in Texas are cheaper than surrounding states, and it's good on a day-to-day basis. But when disaster hits, 
what would a response be? Like you, you, you brought up obviously that capitalist neoliberal kind of like mindset that, that, that Texas has, um, which I think is a fair <laughs> assessment. Um, but w- one of the things I stumbled across earlier today was there's a um, there's a chain of stores. I, th- I think the company's called Hebs or, or Hebsworth, something like that, which is like a it's like a, a Walmart style um, one stop shop. Now there's two things with this. One, I discovered that this this company has what's considered to be the second best emergency response team outside of the federal government um, with federal government being one and these guys being number two in the united states because whenever there's a natural disaster it's their lorries with you know blankets their lorries with water their lorries with food which are are like some of the first on the scene um, all over the country and uh, equally like when they have seem to have a bit of a of of a policy of whenever you have uh, something goes wrong and people need things they just give it out and things like that so for instance one of the stores was um people were people were picking things up obviously because they need things in their home homes um and the power went off and nobody could buy anything so they just said you know put it in your put it in your basket put it in your trolley yours go so even within that that kind of like capitalist like framework you can have a good response you can do things decently um like this this company has 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 done and you know it not be the kind of like giving into socialism or anything like that but it's only if you adopt a very extreme mindset um which is where the gop has kind of ended up uh, over the past decade or so, where you where you you just can't accept anything less than full throated, you know, individualism. He makes a good point. People are going to be nice to each other in a situation, that, but it's more of a, a systemic question. So, do you plan for these events? So maybe maybe for Texas, it's more it's partly a case of asking what happens when it gets so hot, people start dying for that reason. So that that's something they're going to have to deal with on a, on a year-to-year basis and I don't think they are well enough but in this instance but, so like capitalism doesn't mean you can't be nice to each other right on an individual basis it's more that you don't put the systems in place like higher taxation right um, because that affects individual liberty whereas if you go to Sweden and you have a similar disaster there'll be a collectivized response waiting where everybody knows what the plan is and they know that the emergency services will be prepared, they'll be well-funded, and they know what the procedures are to act immediately. And that, that's the big difference. And that's going to be, I think, in the next few months, the soul searching at Texas is going to have to face. Um, um, so, yeah, so I mean, it has been Republican, at least at government level, since 95 with George W. Bush. So it'll be interesting to see in a few months' time what the response will be from the Republican Party. Because at the moment it's that civil war anyway, isn't it? So who, who knows what they're thinking? On a kind of conceptual or ideological bit, I suppose if there's anything that 2020 taught us, it's that there are quite a lot of risky, unlikely events, but if they happen, they cause a lot of disruption and impact. And a pandemic is an example, a power grid failure is an example. Um, if the internet was somehow to, you know, just shut down, that would be another example as well, wouldn't it? And so, as you say, part of it is about having a good governance question of how you plan for these events but then the other question of, of say the supermarket is that yes you know there are people who who want to give charity and volunteer and that is fantastic and very laudable and and very necessary but i suppose then the socialist critique of charity is that actually for a lot of these instances there should be a collective response that the state 
puts forward. So in the pandemic, for instance, you've seen a rise in food poverty. And it's fantastic that we've seen many people giving more food to food banks and we're seeing an increase in donations. On the other hand, it would be much nicer if the government would actually just commit to funding free school meals over the school holidays rather than relying on the charity of either individual councils or individual donors to, to bail them out. Yeah, with that, I don't understand why the government keeps making the same bad decision every half term. Uh, even if, even on an ideological level, if they don't care or it's not in their belief system, it just looks bad. Marcus Rashford embarrasses the government every half term about fail. Surely they should just learn a lesson by now that even if it's not something they necessarily care about, but just do it to stop the bad headlines. I mean, I think we've had that discussion numerous times at this point. Every time it comes up, it's just like, they can't make the same mistake again, can they? Oh, no, yes, yes, they can. Okay, let's let's see, wait until next time and see what happens. <laughs> so just to finish off, Shaz, is there much chance of a similar thing happening in the UK? And I suppose an, an adjacent question to that is, we've seen in Texas there wasn't that plan in place to look after people who would be affected. If it did happen in the UK... Do we know what sort of plans are in place to help any communities who would be affected by uh, a power shortage like that? So we have had some quite extreme weather for the UK recently. We had minus 16 in the degrees Celsius in the Highlands recently. The short answer is our system is also unstable. We do have supply demand issues in our grid, though our portfolio is a bit more diversified than Texas's would be. We do have a higher percentage of renewable and nuclear. So uh, whilst we do are heavily reliant on natural gas, especially for our heating, uh, our energy mix isn't as uh, isn't as single-minded as, say, Texas's is. If a similar emergency was to happen, which I think it could, I, I just think that our systems, uh, our emergency response systems are better. We would be able to get resources to people they may not be very sophisticated. There may just be a case of here is a school that has a backup generator, put people in that back, put people in that school, and they have to stay there for a few weeks. But at least we do have, because well, maybe because we, we do have snow here, we, we, we do have hot weather and cold weather here. I think a similar crisis in terms of energy infrastructure could happen here, but our response would be better in the terms of it would be harder for people to be left alone for three weeks with no support whatsoever we would get people somewhere and maybe, maybe their lives will be destroyed still because, you know, their, their house may be unhabitable and there will be longer issues as what do you do with people who have lost everything through no fault of their own, which is what's going to happen in Texas as well. There's going to be thousands of people whose home might be ruined, whose cars are gone, and they, they, their jobs might not be able to be done anymore um, in the short term. So how will Texas look after the people? who, when they can, return to, when the weather returns to normality. Whereas, I think here, we, we are better prepared and we would react better and we would support people more. Though The longer we have a Tory government, the worse it gets, as, as austerity has shown. I suppose that's a, another element of the, of the support for communities that we didn't talk about, isn't it? Is that welfare safety net? And as you say, there is more of, I suppose, a safety net if you are affected in the UK than the US, and we just have to make sure we keep it that way. Yeah, in, in the UK, at least with a disaster response, you don't have the 
home, go get a job that pays more. Like, you know, obviously I'm a lefty and I think, you know, half people on benefits have a job. And so, but in terms of the initiative, that doesn't necessarily play out. So at least in disaster response, people would be seen as being victims rather than contributing to their own circumstances. So I think in our system, we would still help people as much as we could until they needed a new job because they couldn't do their own job anymore because the school they worked in has been burnt down or flooded beyond repair, that kind of stuff. It's the longer infrastructure questions that I feel are very similar to the UK than to Texas. What will Texas find in a few months' time? Thanks very much for joining us, Shaz. And in return, if listeners like the cut of your jib, is there any particular website about culture and politics or politics and culture that they might want to spend a few minutes browsing? Of course. So I have a website called shaziety.com where I write all about environmental issues and issues of uh, cycling and energy. So check it out because it's free and what else you can do with your time when you're stuck inside. And once you've had a look at all the web pages of society and you've gone, well, I've, I've read all the free content that is out there. So maybe I ought to play, pay for some high quality content with some mangled intros. Where would you go, Steve? Uh, you could head over to patreon.com slash not enough champagne where you can throw us a few quid every month to gain access to uh, as Corey alluded to there some unique episodes where we attempt to make high quality intros and and sometimes fail spectacularly uh, but they are the, the, the actual content itself the you know the bread and butter of what we're discussing is uh, interesting um, and uh, yeah we have a, a number of uh, our talking heads on for kind of like round tables that you get access to to unique content, early con- access to content, all of those sorts of things. So yeah, um, head over there, take a, uh, give it a look, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. Our website is notenoughchampagne.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash notenoughchampagne. James Cram designed the logo. You can follow him on Twitter at James Cram and Dave Depper composed our theme tune, Pucky Good Times. I'm on Twitter at Paperback Riotus. I'm at Acoustic Radical. At Shaz Roman 30. Happy plotting. Happy plotting.